So as I mentioned in the previous year, um, we don't really have a navigational map for Gula. It's all new. And because it's so new, it should breed humility and caution, responsible redemptive behavior, not reckless redemptive behavior. So much of this process seems different than we expected. We dreamed for thousands of years of a perfect world, untainted by human hand. And yet here we occupy a real world of the Jewish state with corruption, crime, opponents, war, secular leadership. And so many people have a difficult time reconciling Eretz Yisrael with the state of Israel. They just can't wrap their hands around that contrast. There's sheets over there on the set, please. So perhaps by looking back to past snapshots of redemption, we won't have precise roadmaps, but a generalized sense of how things unfold. Or as I say, where I used to come from, where this puppy's landing. So the first Geula, first Geula took place in Mitzrayim. When we read, the sheets over there, please. When we read about the redemption from Mitzrayim, the Jewish people have no expectations. Very fledgling and weak, victimized nation, browbeaten by 200 years of slavery. Hashem has no expectations of any human voice or human initiative. But sometimes you have to read parallel narratives in Tanakh to uncover stories that appear in one part of Tanakh and not the other part of Tanakh. Now, why they appear in one part and not the other, it's a literary question, but that's a whole different conversation. If you read Yechezkel Parachaf, a whole different narrative unfolds. Yechezkel Parachaf comes with expectations. Hashem says, walk away. I know you're powerless to rebel against the Egyptians, but at least show some defiance. Walk back your pagan obsessions. We sugarcoat the past. They were all great. We were all midgets. Get that enfeebling myth out of your head. Not everyone in the path was righteous. Not everyone in our generation is feeble. People come and go. People have strengths. People have weaknesses. So Shem says, I know you can't rebel against Pyro and his taskmasters, but at least, at least walk away. Just obsess with pagan. At least walk it back. I declare, I designed to liberate them from Mitzrayim. And I said, Please, walk in, please, walk away from them. Not you. Jews, walk away. You come in, it's not like you. What a greeting. Now walk away. Okay, it's right here. Okay, it's coming around, but coming around. But anyone else needs a sheet, okay? Oh, no one needs that phrase, walk away. At least in England. Maybe other places. Walk away from the pagan obsession. What was our response? Well, underwhelming. Source number one is she could say, We didn't throw it out, we didn't walk away. So listen to this phrase, it's like line four somewhere on the source sheets. Hashem threatened us with extinction. It would all about, it would all end. We didn't deserve to be redeemed from its right, says Yechezkel, unlike the narrative of God. So why didn't he? Balma, look at line four. These words seem familiar to you. Balma, the shvoch alehem. I'm going to pour my anger out against you. What does that sound like? The original employment of that term was hurled at the Jews as a threat for your extinction. And the night of Passover, we try to redirect it. Not us, them. Not us, the wicked people. Not us, Hashem. This is a harrowing phrase. 
So Yechezkel begs the question that Shemos doesn't. Why were we redeemed if we didn't deserve it? Don't worry, Yechezkel provides an answer. Vaas, <laughs> line number five, Laman Shemit. I did it for the sake of my name. Levilti hachel goyim 400 years have been invested in building this new movement called monotheism. Initially, only individuals discovered Hashem peering out from this veil of violence and this veil of nature. That Those individuals built a family. They became a clan, now a nation. 400 years of rough sledding through a violent and theologically chaotic world. Please take a source sheet. Please, sir. You're the, you're the source sheet, man. Okay? People come in, you get them a source sheet. Well, that's the elite. Okay. What's your name? Gabby. Okay, you're now the Sorshi monitor, Gabby, okay? Take a sheet. Okay. I was told the English people are prompt. Yeah. It's a day of shattered myths. Okay, it's good. I'll report back to the Israelis. Not so. Come on in, one and all. So good. Take attendance next time. Come on in. 400 years have been invested in promoting Hashem's presence in this world. And if Hashem had eliminated us, those 400 years would be worthless. And Hashem would have to begin anew. And that would have been a chil Hashem. Because chil Hashem occurs anytime Hashem regresses from this world. And we didn't deserve to be redeemed that day in Egypt. But Hashem redeemed us, not for our sake, but for His sake. Va'as Laman Shemit. Read those words again. Line number five. There is a model of redemption on display here, which resurfaced thousands of years later. Did we deserve to be redeemed in 1948? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't believe we're more righteous than our predecessors. But one thing I do know. 1945 is the darkest period in human history since the day we left Jerusalem. Because the 2,000 years since we left was littered with pogroms and inquisitions and suffering and persecutions and deportations and order defays and... But nothing that occurred during those 2,000 years begins to approach the attempt to systematically eliminate everything and anything Jewish from this world. Hitler had a list of 200 Albanian Jews in his bunker. Can you imagine my fighting a multi-front war and still chasing 200 Albanian Jews? He had designs of New York Shul synagogues in his bunker. It wasn't about Europe. And when Jewish blood is spilled and murdered like dog's blood in the streets of Europe, it's not just an assault on the Jewish people, but it's an assault. Where was Hashem in 1945? You see, believers are able to peer through the fog and see Hashem. But the average person doesn't possess those lenses. We have x-ray vision. Most people don't. And Hashem was sadly, tragically absent from this world. Listen to my next statement carefully. A chil Hashem of that magnitude required a proportionate response. I'm not creating equality or equivalency between the Holocaust and the state of Israel. The Holocaust is too large to wrap your heads around. Don't try to simplify. One thing I do know. Hashem had to take some bold action to restore His presence to a world in which His presence is quickly vanishing. And where is Hashem in 2022 compared to where He was in 1945? You know when I thought of this parak in Yechezkel? 
About 20 years ago, there was a ceremony marking the liberation of Auschwitz, the 50th anniversary, the 40th, I forget which anniversary it was. A few months earlier, the Israeli Air Force was invited to participate in war games with the Polish Air Force. Then a few months later, the ceremony takes place. And the Israeli commander of the squadron that was meant to participate in the war games says, we will only fly in Redan in these war games, opposed to the Redan, and we're first granted a symbolic flyover Auschwitz as part of the ceremony. And initially, the Polish parliament protested. Auschwitz is a cultural site. It's a historical monument. You can't introduce armaments of war. But here's Adam. Here's the Spartan, too. No, which impressed me, because his family wasn't imperiled by the Holocaust. I would expect it from an Ashkenazi Jew. But he pretty much skirted the Holocaust. But his Jewish identity would demand no less. Israeli jets will only fly in Rodan if they first fly in Auschwitz. And I remember listening to the radio. This is before internet, or early internet. Listen to the ceremony. And he pulled his team into the formation in the skies above Auschwitz. And it has been looped down to that sortie. As Jews gathered on the train tracks that witnessed such horror. What was the average lifespan in a death camp? Not a labor camp. Two hours. Disembarkation, separation from family, goggles, spectacles taken from you, hair shaving, clothing taking, walking through a tube in minus degree weather, covered on both sides by barbed wire with dogs apart. When you went to the gas chamber, you ran in. We're frozen with the thaw. And we were hoist, hoisting flags, singing Atikva. And he announced on his loudspeaker, on his radio, Gicha. Gicha in Hebrew means a sortie, a flyover. Gicha achat avor One flight for the Jewish people. Gicha achat avor Eretz Israel. One flight for the land of Israel. Gicha achat avor Korbanot HaShoah. One flight for Holocaust victims. And I asked myself, in 1944, how desperately did we plead with Roosevelt and with Churchill for that one flight? In 1944, the Luftwaffe had been eliminated. The skies of Europe were in complete Allied control. And one uncontested bombing mission over the railroad tracks of Auschwitz could have spared 750,000 Hungarian Jews from deportation from Budapest, which began in the spring of 44. But in 1944, three-quarters of a million Jewish lives wasn't worth one uncontested flight. And I can't imagine a Chil Hashem greater than that. If you told me I could save three-quarters of a million people, I'd get in a plane right now, figure it out. I'll get up there, I'll work it out. Three, 750,000 people? And now we had our flight. And now we had our Air Force. And I felt Yechezkel coming to life. I felt the circle being completed. Somehow, slowly but surely, bit by bit. It's not about us, Hashem. We are part of your celestial narrative. Perhaps us reflects upon you. As we rise, you rise. As we fall, you become more obscure. Now we have our state. We've been restored to the historical stage. You've been restored to international consciousness. And as we grow and succeed, your name and fame grow. 
And that's one snapshot of earlier redemption that reminds us that redemption comes in many different varieties. It doesn't accord to one model or one prototype. Another snapshot. Less renowned, less celebrated. In the middle of the first base on Mikdash, the Jewish kingdom is badly split between north and south. Generally, the kings of the north are wicked. Generally, they're disobedient and murderous. We now view the administration of someone named Yeravam, but don't let you not be Yeravam, Yeravam of infamy, Yeravam successor, Yeravam ben Nevat, the grand paganist who murdered. This is his successor, Yeravam ben Yawash. But you know what? His record was much different. Vishnas Kamesh Yisrael, good guy, I'm watching. Vishnas Kamesh Yisrael, Amasya ben Yawash, Melody Huda, Melody Yeravam ben Yawash. Same record, same pockmarked administration, murder, paganism. What happened during Yeravan ben Yawash's? Not Yeravan ben What happened during his reign? Well, let's see. Line number three. He expanded the borders of the Jewish people to the Mediterranean Sea. Grand territorial conquest. This is our Russia, Nishtat Zadik. This is a Russia. Why? Hashem saw the plight of the Jewish people was deplorable. The Ebbets of Sor, no allies. The Ebbets of Zor, early Israel, the Lord. Yibar Hashem, Limchas Hashem, Yisrael, Mitachas Hashem, Hashem were not allowed the Jewish people to disappear. Vayoshim be'ad Yeravim ben Yawash. So the hero that day was idolater. If when I read Yechazka Parachaf, I think about 1948, when I read Malachim Bey's Parak Yudalad, I think about 1967. 1967 has undergone radical historical revisionism. It had nothing to do with territory. Absolutely nothing. They were digging 80,000 mass graves in the parks in Israel, expecting an onslaught. People were descending into basements in place of bomb shelters, taking their luck. If, let's say, the left part of the building collapses, those will survive. If you're not in the basement, the whole building will collapse. Women and children were being sent to England, to America, for safety. The last thing on anyone's mind was, Yerushalayim? Gush Etzion? Military generals are tasked with thinking out of the box, and letting their minds wander, and think of every remote scenario, because in the heat of the war, you won't be able to think clearly. So every possible scenario has to be tabled and ready. In their wildest imaginations, in their wildest imaginations, no one even envisioned entering Yerushalayim and returning to the heartland of Jewish history. It was inconceivable. Boys and girls would come to school for weeks before 67, say to Hillman, and go home. No classes, no courses, no tests, no books. Our territory was indefensible, our boundaries were too narrow. You heard the stories, you've seen the shelled out tanks on the road to Jerusalem. Those years were not years of plenty and abundance, they were years of rationing and diplomatic isolation, no travel there. Six days the world changed. Shashis and Abraishis. Again. Shem created the world in six days, he created the world of redemption in six days. And he rested and waiting for us to complete it. That 
That's exactly what happened in 1967. So if you think he can't really be redemptive, because it's Moshe Dayan, not Dabar Melech, or because it was Ariel Sharon, and not Mashiach ben Yosef, or because it was Mati Gore, the general walked in valiantly and triumphantly into the old city, instead of Chafetz Chaim. Read those last five words carefully and let them sink into your subconscious. Vayoshiyem biyad yiravam ben Yolash. Come on, boys. You look like you've lived a little Gemara, right, girls? You know, I have a Kal Bechomer. I know it's, uh, it's a toughie, right? Move your finger. If Hashem can redeem us to Yeravim ben Yoash, maybe he can also redeem us to Herzl ben Guryom Matigor. They weren't exactly murderers and pagans. Not exactly the pie we hope for. Not exactly the redemption of our dreams. But you know what? Reality leaves a lot to the imagination. And don't get caught in a prison of imagination and expectation. Because you'll be blinded to what occurs in the ever-evolving history of our people. So the first snapshot is Yechezka Percha. second snapshot is Malachim Meis Yudal. What do we have to 5.30? Third snapshot is, of course, Hanukkah. Hanukkah happened at a very, very pathetic point in Jewish history. If you ask me to list the top five darkest moments in Jewish history since the destruction of the first base of America, top five, bottom five, but <laughs> it would have to be those 200 years intervening between Hanukkah and, and the Roman demolition of Yerushalayim. Internecine struggle. Civil war. It is a myth that the Romans captured Yerushalayim. We self-immolated. There were at least four sects, rival sects in Jerusalem, killing each other, burning each other's grain, we had, by all accounts, enough grain to outlast the siege of five or six years. Would it have been enough to defeat the Romans? Hard to tell. But things happen. Their attention gets redirected. There are battles in France. The armies have to be... Who knows? Head to head, we don't beat the Romans. But time is something also. You delay for time. You stall for time. You never know. Lady Luck shines on you. The Romans marched into a city of corpses. The Romans marched into a starved city of skeletons. Literally, literally, the scenes of the Holocaust. And we did it to ourselves. And we're constantly under foreign tyranny. Read Sefer HaMakavim once. Not the documentation of the miracle, but what happens after the miracle. Mass, mass executions of Jews. People come from the north in tattered clothing, bearing reports of mass, mass savagery. Hiding in caves from invading armies. It wasn't a peaceful Pollyannic row we deducted the next stages. It was chaos, civil war, religious disintegration. The office of the high priest was contaminated by Tzedekin. 90% of the time, the high priest had to be dragged out dead from the Kodesh HaKadoshim by the rope around his leg because he violated and short-circuited. This was a carnival. So what are we celebrating? What makes Hanukkah so... Historic. Eight days of hollow. Well, it's the oil, right? Hashem winked at us through the oil. Rambam doesn't mention the oil in his initial comments. The Rambam provides a stand-alone justification for Hanukkah. He documents the miracle and he concludes as follows. Source number three. They defeated the Hashemana, the Hashemana defeated the Greeks, the Rahmanas, Ajurikha Nur Kadesh Barakul, line number four. 
the Chazra, Malchus, Le Yisrael, Yeser al Masayim Jewish sovereignty was restored for 200 years. Flawed sovereignty, pathetic sovereignty, embarrassing sovereignty, disgraceful leadership. But when Jews, when Jews enjoy sovereignty, in whatever form and whatever model it comes, we say how outrageous. Because how elusive has sovereignty been for us over this long odyssey of the last 2,000 years? My grandfather told me the following story, which haunted me growing up. He said that one day he was returning home from Shul, Shabbos morning in White Russia, and a Russian soldier barked at him and said, Jew, Jew, come here. My grandfather, 13-year-old version, ran over to this barking Russian thug who told him you have 20 minutes to return home. Say goodbye to your family, collect your belongings. I am requisitioning you into World War I as my weapons bearer. I remember asking him, Zadie, what did you do? He took my hand in his hand, and I'm a Litvak, so I didn't really know my name. He would write me checks for my birthday, which I still have, because he didn't know my name was Michael. <laughs> Malcolm Tarragon, Mortimer Tarragon, <laughs> Morris Tarragon, so I've got a whole collection of very uh, exotic names. He called me Meshola. Meshola. He said, Meshola. I ran. I ran home. Say goodbye to my parents. Because I knew that if I wouldn't return, he'd massacre my whole family. So I saved him by falling on the sword. And then he escaped him. Russian army wasn't known for its efficiency. Right? Some things don't change. I was haunted by that story. It haunted my consciousness. Until I made Aliyah. And it was 1995 or 6, when I I'm driving home Hanukkah night in a rainstorm. Through Beit Lechem, we still didn't have the bypass road. And I'm chugging away my Subaru, Fred Flintstone style, and <laughs> get to go a little, little faster. And I see the police lights in the background, and I pull over to the side, and an Israeli policewoman gets out and says, license, registration, I hand it over. She says, do you know you were speeding? I say, miss? <laughs> Evidently. So she starts running a ticket. And I broke down into it. That's the ticket. What a schuss. What a schuss. My grandfather lived in abject fear of drunk Russian soldiers. And here I am, receiving a traffic ticket from my own policewoman of my own police force on her way home on Hanukkah to light candles as we jointly celebrate our sovereignty. I will not languish in a cold jail cell. I will not be abused or tortured. No one will starve me. This is my police force. Could be my daughter, could be my granddaughter. Could be. What is force on Hanukkah? The next time you see a policeman in Israel, or a soldier. Just ask yourself, what would your parents do? Your great-great-grandparents, if they saw that, 
There's only one thing. They would break down crying uncontrollably. Look at old Haggadahs, the four sons, the illustrations, the illuminations, the Chachams holding a book, and Thomas and Simpleton, James Elisha, and The Russia is always, the illumination of a Russia is a Russian soldier, or an Arab soldier, or a Polish Cossack, or a French soldier, or a Spanish soldier, because soldiers war is a symbol of violence and vulnerability, because they march into town, and they killed, and maimed, and raped, and live in period, and protected. No one. No one. So remember this Ramam, Chazra Malchus Yisrael. Was it perfect? No. Was the leadership hallowed? Of course not. Was it the redemption we've yearned for? For sure not. But when Jews enjoy self-governance, it happened again, actually, the story. About 10 years ago, I was vacationing with my family in Haria. So we're walking along the beach, and all of a sudden, my cell phone gets lost. So you follow in the sand, 10, 15 minutes, it's gone. Kapara, move on. We're at a restaurant, and my wife's phone rings. We found your husband's phone. It's the police department. So I hustle over to the police department, and I walk in there crying, hugging, celebrating policemen. This was my first time at a police station. He said, I'm not a drug lord. <laughs> I'd never been in a police station. And just, it hit me. I'm walking into a Jewish police station, my own sovereign nation. I mean, they just wanted to get rid of me as quickly as they could. <laughs> get this lunatic out of here so we can get back to I was crying and actually. Who is this Meshuggah crazed? I got my phone back. <laughs> Take it in. Redemption comes in many, many forms. You see, it's never going to accommodate human anticipation. Listen to what I'm about to say because it's crucial. Redemption, by definition, is asymmetrical and irrational. We try to redeem our world as best we can with human hands and human faculty, but when we come up short, as we inevitably will, Hashem enters our world and redeems it beyond our capacity. And beyond human ability, and beyond human logic, and beyond human, it is specifically the irrationality and unpredictability and asymmetry of redemption that renders it redemptive, that renders it divine. Because it is a leap into a world that we are not capable of thrusting towards. We try, we're inching, we're trying to accomplish as much of it as we can. I believe Mashiach will be very proud when he sees what we've built. But there's some thrust that human beings just can't achieve, and it's beyond capacity, and it's beyond logic. So when we nitpick religion into oblivion by applying rational pre-expectations, we lose the magic and the myth, the mystique and the luster of what it is to be redeemed, what is Yerach HaNash really. Az, Yashir, Moshe, Bnei Yisrael. What does Az mean? They didn't think. It was instinctual. Yeah, they could have analyzed Yamsuf to death. Well, maybe the Egyptians caused it on themselves, and maybe they came out another way. Is this really a divine hand? And maybe there was a tidal wave, and maybe we didn't redeem it. It was just a moment. Shirach Hadasha, and the feeling graced by Hashem, and responding in the moment. Ramavayam. 
So those are three snapshots. Oh, we have ten minutes mic. Is it 5.30? Yeah. We'll yeah. talk a little longer. Even with this government. Yeah. Yeah. Evil of this government. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say. Politics <laughs> come and go. It's like the rising tide and the receding tide. Today's policies are tomorrow's rubbish. And today's sandcastles are tomorrow's oceans. And history isn't shaped by politicians or headlines. It's shaped by quiet moral acts that you and I perform every day. They, they ripple a lot longer than policies. Policies are not worth the paper they're written on. Your best, Baruch Hashem. I promise you. My grandfather I spoke about, he left Europe 100 years ago, approximately penniless. They brought over his entire family, brothers and sisters. Anyone walking this world with the name Carrigan is a product of his decision. And there are hundreds of them. No one celebrated, didn't make any headlines. No one noticed. Changed the world. You change the world also, but quietly. Don't get lost in the attention grabbing. There's a lot of attention grabbing. You're so right. I hope. I'm living this. One foot ahead, one foot in front of the other. Don't get lost in all this aspirational world changing. Change your world by living like the right way. Let me know this is impacted. So, we're supposed to talk about Gula, right? Not politics. So, what are we going to talk about? This notion that Gula is irrational was twice delivered to our prophets. Let me maybe with this one. There's actually a password for Gula. The password for Gula is delivered to your meal, and it's delivered to Zachariah. But it's the same password. I'll tell it to you later. Yermia is suffering the devastation around him in Yerushalayim. First base on the writing keynotes. You can see him with a split with a pen and a parchment. He's writing keynotes as it happens. The live documentation of keynotes. He's live streaming it. And you find it's falling apart. And the ramparts are built. And the mercenaries are marauding and tram- trampling over your shoulder. And Hashem says, Yermia, I'd like you to purchase some land in Yerushalayim. And Yerushalayim is perplexed. Purchase land in Yerushalayim? The people don't purchase land in Mosul or Iraq or in uh, Mariupol in, in, in Ukraine. There's no legal system. There's no land. It's about to be conquered. It's about to be appropriate. Purchase land. And Yerushalayim speaks to Hashem in the following tone. He says, I understand that we can't understand your wisdom. And I understand that you're the seer of all. And I understand that... I'm a prophet. I get the concept. I've learned EO before. I understand that you can't understand your ways. I, I got it all, but this is a little too much. This is a little bit absurd. Let's follow Yermia's debate. Gadol Haitza, source number four, possessor of all knowledge. These are words lifted right from EO. If you ever learned EO, these are EOVian words. Basically, Eov couldn't understand the line, was that neither could Yermia. But Yermia says this is ridiculous. He says, line two, line three from the bottom. Everything, the ramparts are built four lines from the bottom. You don't know if you had a to purchase land. It's ridiculous, Hashem. What does Hashem say? Hashem will give me a lemar. How many 
Is there anything that to me is a mystery? To you, it seems baffling. Because you process history in 80 year slots, 100 year slots, 200 year slots. I stand here. You see devastation, I see rebirth. You see loss of life, I see resuscitation and resurrection. So purchase that land as a symbol. I wish I remembered that land. I wanted to be a rich man here in the In the heart of you shall I. I used to interview boys. Try not to interview them. Try to scale back this to be charge of admissions to the yeshiva. And it was important to me not just to gauge their piety and their prayer and their personality, but their Jewish identity. Are you a proud Jew? Do you feel your Judaism deeply? So I'd ask the following question. If you could have a time machine with one say, which period would you return to? Top five answers were Sina, Ikrias, Yamsa, Priyasa, Olam, those are the top three. Once there was a boy who turned the tables on me and said, Rabbi, what would you choose? So first of all, I accepted him. I loved his moxie. This guy's going places. I don't care if he's, if he's illiterate. You know, they ask the rabbi, you're sitting there sweating, you want to get in, good impression. I loved it. He's going, like, probably like some uh, Rosh Hashiva somewhere now. I said, I can go to one place in history. I would go back and walk out of the, with the survivors of Auschwitz. First thing they did, first thing they did, find a niece from their stepdaughter and remarried, a friend of their sister. Let's rebuild. Let's say people have to. How could you? How could you bring children into such a nightmarish world of murder and genocide? How could you? 80 years of hindsight, we know that children born in 46 and 47 and 48, they marched in the fields of redemption. They pioneered history. They liberated our people. And that's hindsight. What type of moral courage would it take for them to withstand the devastating, devastating violence and stand tall in the face of injustice and toe the line. I would just want to feel that moral courage. I appreciate people with moral courage. They stand and do what's right because it's right, rather than cowering to public opinion, events, weakness. You don't know. You don't know how small decisions turn the tide of history. That's what Hashem told you earlier. History will tie. History, the tides will turn. Just wait. And that becomes the password of Gula. Hamimeni yipale. Yipale means tell. Mystery. Irrational. Hey, Lamed Aleph. If you open a Google account and it's a redemptive account, <laughs> redemption at gmail.com, the password is always going to be Hey, Lamed Aleph. Tell. Because redemption is irrational. By definition, because it changes the world we inhabit. And we don't recognize it. It unlocks a world we're not familiar with. So we can't apply logic and ration to try to decode its terms. It's completely compatible. And then to Zechariah, Hashem provides the same message. Koramar Hashem, the famous metaphor, the famous prophecy, we'll just go in the back of the page. Koram, bottom of the first page. Koramar Hashem, Tzimakos. Oh, ye Shabuza Canaan was the Canaan of Chavos Ushalayim. One day the streets of Jerusalem will be filled with older people with their canes strolling through Jerusalem, taking nice walks. Or Chavos Eir Yimlo, Yiladim Nesachim, or Chavosayim, and little children will frolic. Zechariah is a very apocalyptic book. What is so apocalyptic about these visions? 
people living out their lives being old enough to walk on hands? Children frolicking? It's normal, it's not apocalyptic, it's not redemptive, it's not prophetic, it's normal. If you live in Norway, it's normal. If you're a Jew, it's not. What's normal for other people is apocalyptic to Jews. Because our history is disproportionately asymmetrical. That's why it's prophetic. I was touched by two great people in this world. He shaped me. Okay? And the Rami told me, I kiss it, all right? I'll give it to my wife. I'm so excited. The Rami told me that after the Holocaust, and he lived in Gibat Mordechai, he lived in the Chevron Yeshiva, he would walk by the playground and watch the little children play. And he stood transfixed for hours crying. Because those eyes had witnessed children being lined up on stony walls in Europe and executed. And he remembered this sukkim in Zechariah. And Hashem tells Zechariah, look at the next, everyone knows those words, you don't know the next passage. <laughs> those who are privileged to see these sights, they'll be shocked. Tell us, a mystery. God, I'll be shocked. What does it mean for Hashem to be shocked? It's impossible. It's hyperbole. What's so shocking about these pastoral scenes? What's normal in Norway is a little bit abnormal in Jerusalem. And both to Yermia and to Zakari Hashem delivers the password of Jewish emotion. Hey, Lame, Aleph. Irrational. Stop here. Stop here. Stop here. Stop here. Stop here. Stop here.